You're tuning in to the Navigating Tech Life podcast. Hear the untold stories from the everyday tech worker. Your hosts, Ace and Aaron, have been through it all. Failing startups, acquisitions, IPOs, good and terrible investments, and maintaining a life outside of work. Learn about their findings in business, startups, investing, and more. And meet the individuals with unique experiences through bonus interviews. Navigate your own every day with something new learned in each episode. Welcome back to the Navigating Tech Life podcast. I'm Ace and I'm joined by my co-host, Aaron. Our guest on the show today is a venture capitalist who realized that a lot of founders were great at building products, but bad at communicating about them. And so he started MasterTalk, a coaching business to help ambitious executives and business owners become top communicators in their industry. He's worked with executives from companies like Salesforce, Amazon, Verizon, and more. Please welcome Brendan Kumarasamy to the show. Well, good to have you on, Brendan. Uh, maybe we can start off if you want to give our listeners some background on your career and maybe how you got started, what ultimately led you to founding MasterTalk. Yeah, for sure, Aaron. It's great to be on YouTube. It's great to be here. Yeah, so my, my name is Brendan, the founder of MasterTalk, to your point. I started making YouTube videos a few years ago on communication, public speaking, and it turned to a coaching business a few years later. And how it got started was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds, kind of like the hackathons of the business world. So while other guys my age were playing football or rugby or some other sport, I was spending most of my days doing presentations for fun. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then as new students started entering that program, they didn't really have access to a communication coach. And I wasn't one either, but I just started coaching them because there was nobody else to do it. And that's how I learned how to speak. And that later became the idea for Master Talk because I realized a lot of the, especially in, in the context of this podcast, a lot of the tech founders I worked with in the early days were really good at building product, really good at coding, but weren't good at communicating their stack in a way that someone who was non-technical was able to understand them. And they also couldn't afford a coach because they were still students or they were early stage founders without any funding raised. So I started making making YouTube videos and then it later turned into a business later on. That's awesome, man. That's a really, really cool story. I like that. Why? So you mentioned, you know, you talk, you work with founders. Um, why do you think it is that the founders that you encountered or work with um, aren't so great at presenting or speaking publicly about, uh, about their products. Why do you, why do you think that it is? I, I, that's a great question, Ace. I personally believe it's because of the way that the engineering degree program structure is, is organized. Because a lot of the focus, and, and by the way, that's the right approach. A lot of the focus is on the project, the deliverable, and the nitty gritty details of that deliverable versus going, hey, gang, when we're presenting, we're in the real world. That's not how it works. When you, as you get become a manager, you become a vice president, you're not in the weeds anymore. No one really has that conversation in the university. And that kind of makes sense because the, the goal of the university is to place people into entry-level jobs in engineering, right? especially in that, in that setting. So there's not enough focus in the, in the program curricular around communication. So engineers are not taught, whether they're software engines or or people who are in technical roles, they're not taught about the importance of communication and more specifically around the pain that they'll have later on in their careers if they don't focus on it early in the game. That's interesting. Do, do you think that's an is issue 
primarily for founders to figure out, or do you think it's like more of a industry-wide kind of issue in, in the tech space? Like, is it important for like the standard individual contributor uh, type of engineer to, you know, also have those skills? Yeah, the, the way I think about it, Aaron, is it's kind of like a ladder of pain where the pain threshold goes up as you move up in the organization. So when you get started as an individual contributor and you're spending all your days coding, which probably generally lasts like two years, by the way, in a company before you get promoted to senior en engineer and you're already managing people. So that, that doesn't last very long. But at the other end of the spectrum, the pain threshold is the highest because as the founder, even if you're really good technically, which is obviously an important piece of the pie, if you can't communicate, you can't raise capital, you can't get customers, you can't inspire other engineers to come work for your company, especially now that there's such a big war on talent. And the pain is really high, I would say, for most people who want to get promoted really quickly. So people want to become managers, directors, VPs. We need to realize, and both of you already know this, that communication is an essential role in that because you're transitioning from being an individual coder to managing a technical team and leading them towards a specific technical or product vision. Yeah, awesome. And then, you know, the, when you were when you were speaking now, Brendan, it just kind of made me think of something back to my days when I was a QA engineer, where even if there's like a coder and maybe they don't aspire to move beyond individual contributor, but even at that level, still having the ability to give a good presentation will go a long way, right? Like I remember sitting in, in uh, like demo presentations where, hey, they're, they're explaining this new feature that they just built and here's how to use the feature, you know, here's, here's the capabilities of it and all that. And that in a sense is a, a presentation, right? So they need those skills, even at that, even at that level. Absolutely. So I think you, you mentioned in your background that you've kind of been, you know, part of different, different, a variety of different industries. Um, how would you compare public speaking in the tech sector with other industries, maybe like with finance or healthcare, you know, those types? Absolutely. And, and let me build on what, what Ace was saying as well earlier, Aaron, around, you know, being a QA engineer. When you're in that type of technical role, especially in tech, there's a lot of little details that you want to focus on and get right. And if you make mistakes in your communication skills, around, especially around the code or the deliverable or the problem that you're solving, it could lead to really major miscommunications within the team because a lot of people might be working on the same code at the same time. And there's a lot of moving parts. That is also true with other areas and other industries, but it's a definitely a lot more focused in tech because the iteration cycle is a lot faster. So I'll give an example. Let's say you're working at a, at a bank, like a financial in financial services. You're still working on projects. It's still hectic, but it's not moving at lightning speed because, you know, banks are archaic at the end of the day. They're not moving super, super fast. But if you work at a tech startup, Literally every week is different. Maybe maybe one week you have seven employees and six months later there's 50. So you, you one day you have access to the CEO every day and then the next day you're like, oh crap, there's like two people that you have to go through to get to that same CEO that you could speak to that every single day. So I would say in technology specifically, the micro interactions between your everyday is exponential rather than linear. So at a bank or let's say a hospital, you're still moving 
but the parts aren't moving as quickly as in tech where the projects might change. And when you're, when you're applying agile methodology, you're quickly moving through cycles, you're iterating product, you're always changing the way you're communicating to adapt to the new product feature set you're working on as an example. And, and also in tech, you know, with that employee increase, you're also maybe presenting to a handful of people. And the next day when you're 10X in size, you're presenting to, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 people. So I think that also maybe shifts the the mindset just internally for a lot of people. Like, holy crap, all of a sudden I'm, I have to present this stuff, not to like the people I know and I founded the company with, but like, you know, all these new people who don't know me. Absolutely. And and then the other piece as well that's worth emphasizing, because I feel this is this is getting really morbid, right? Is is the there's a huge opportunity as well for, for the technologists who are listening to this. And the opportunity is this because communication and technical skills in one single person is very rare, if you're already good technically, you've already gotten most of the hard part stuff done. Because EQ, in my opinion, is much easier to master because you don't have to be on GitHub every day trying to find code and solutions and building up your energy and your database of like, this is the right coding situation for this language. This is the right coding situation for that language. This is a specific case scenario. EQ is consistent throughout your whole career. You figure out the right leadership skills, figure out the right communication skills, you'll have a very unique and rare combination that even some vice presidents of engineering don't have. So if you can start working on that, you also have a massive upside in your career, both financially and also opportunity growth-wise too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, you know, I'm thinking now, you know, even let's say the, the average tech worker out there who's in a tech company um, and they obviously want to grow in their career, they're going to work with multiple different stakeholders in whatever sort of project they're working on. And part of that is getting buy-in from people. And in order to get buy-in from people, you need to be able to articulate your position well. You need to talk about the, you know, the benefits or the cost-benefit analysis well. Um, so, so yeah, I, I totally think that, that you sort of hit the nail on the head with what you were saying there. So that's cool. Do, okay, so I, I have another question. What would you say um, to the tech worker out there who is maybe a little timid or on the reserve side when it comes to public speaking or giving presentations? What advice would you have for them? Absolutely. So two pieces of that. One piece, I completely agree with what you said there, Acer, on buy-in. Excellent point. It's, it's the idea of as you scale up your, your career in a company, the, the buy-in mechanism in place becomes more and more important. Because when you start as an individual contributor, you might be working with a really small team. You're not really directing the product vision. You're not telling people where the product is going. You're just implementing the deliverable. Okay, I need you to fix this bug. I need you to get this done. But then as you, you scale up, at some point you transition from doing the actual feature set to coaching someone else and how to do it and explaining why it's important. And then you move in again, and now you're pitching to the leadership team, why should we be prioritizing this feature set over another feature? So you're bringing in the business case in addition to the technical use case of how that's actually being developed. So definitely buy-in increases over time. Excellent point on that. The next question was, um, for the tech worker out there, maybe listening to this show, that is a little more timid or reserved um, when it comes to public speaking, what would you say to that? Absolutely. Thanks for that, Ace. So, so let's start with the principle because I want to sure. be encouraging because I know a lot, a lot of us you know, as tech engineers might be a little bit stressed. 
nervous, like, man, this Brandon extroverted guy, can I speak like this guy? Don't worry about that. Okay, so the, the way I see it is if you communicate 20% than, better than anyone else in your industry, you'll stand out 100% of the time. And that is the most important principle of today's show. If you communicate 20% better than anyone else in your industry, not in general, not with the world, just with other engineers, other people in your industry, you will stand out 100% of the time. So the good news to all of this is you actually don't need to do a lot to stand out in your industry because a lot of people, we know this, who are, who are technical, very good technically, are not that great communicators. So the key ace is really the simplicity. Simple things every day that build the momentum forward. Here's one exercise that if you just do one, that one thing, you'll get the value. And the exercise is the random word exercise. So all you have to do is you pick a random word, like phone, like headphone, like uh, nose, and you give presentations out of thin air. Okay, this sounds stressful at the beginning, but you don't need to do this with the partner. You don't need to do this with the team. Just do this alone. And what this does is it improves your resiliency as a speaker and makes you comfortable in awkward situations. So when you go back to your scrum meetings at work, when you go back to your status update meetings, that becomes a joke because you already know what you're doing technically. It's really easy for you to communicate that stuff on a call, especially if you can talk about avocados for 60 seconds. That's great. Are you a, are you a fan of the, uh, the mirror exercise? So one thing that I did early on in my career was like, I'm in sales, so, you know, practicing pitches and stuff, but more importantly, like in front of the mirror so I can see what my body language was looking like. Are you a fan of those types of things? I definitely like that for sure, Aaron, but I think there's also different uh, steps to it. So I'll give an analogy that would help. Public speaking is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. So one of those balls is, you know, getting rid of your filler words, your uhs, your uhs, your blahs. Another ball is vocal tone variety. Right, highs, lows, normal speaking tone. Pacing's another one. So I would say for the introverted engineer, the first ball, because mirror mirrors might be too stressful for them too. I would say the first ball is just doing the random word extras like three times a day. I would start with that. And then as you get more and more comfortable, then you can definitely transition to other exercises like the one that you suggested, which I, I would highly recommend as well. Cool. So in terms of public speaking, has has your approach to teaching the way, you know, the art of public speaking changed at all since the the pandemic? You know, now we're in this whole virtual world or hybrid world a lot of the times. Like, has that impacted at all how you approach teaching the thing? Yeah, definitely, Aaron. I would say the big change in my approach is really adding more curriculum on how to present virtually. Like, how do you do well in those settings and finding easy tricks? especially to Ace's point, right, for the really introverted engineer, for the really introverted person to master communications. Here's the way I've been able to bridge that. So one thing that we, we get people to do, and this is a great exercise that you can all implement as well, is the easiest way to practice online in a way where you can actually feel the impact of communication. One of the things that's missing is, especially with people in this industry, is that the reason we don't practice communication is because we don't see the tangible benefit. We see it like a chore. Oh my God, I got to give this presentation at work in front of my executives who have these MBAs, who have these big diplomas. I'm really scared of these people. I don't want to give these presentations. So we see it, it comes more from a fear. So how do we flip that? The way that I flip it is I ask a question, which is how would the world change? How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? 
always think back to the days of how much fun you had when you're coding the first time, learning new languages, working on projects that probably didn't bring any money, but that made you happy, right? Like little video games, right? And hackathons or some other weird, you know, thing that you're working on that you, you found a use case in that you enjoyed. We need to apply that same scrappiness, that same mentality, that same funness, if that's even a word, to communication as well. So what is, what is the version of that in the, in, in the skill that we're talking about today? The, the translation is make a list of three people, not 30, three people that you just really like. Okay, just, you know, A, B, C. You know, it could be your mom, could be a, a friend, a technical friend, I don't know. And let's say we use Ace and Aaron as an example here. I'm just put these two. And then next to those two people's names, those three people's names, write one thing that you appreciate about them. Oh, I really like the way that, that Ace asks really specific questions to bring it back. He's very empathetic, the way he brings it back to the, to the core person of the audience. Oh, I really like the way that Aaron talks about, you know, how we can apply this across different industries and how this applies specifically to this one. Really great insights. And then what you do is after you write down what you appreciate about that person, you send them, dun, 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 just in case we don't have a sound guy. So I just had a little sound effect there. Send them each a 20-second video just telling them how much you appreciate them. And by the way, this will scare most technical people. They go, oh my God, I can't send a video. But you'll notice that if you have the courage to do it, right? Success doesn't take time. It takes courage. You just take that 20 seconds, the same way you picked up the laptop the first time you start coding. What you'll notice is that even if you're terrible on camera, which you will be at the beginning, the person who receives the video message will go, wow, this really means a lot to me. No one ever sends me video messages. And that's what gives you the motivation to actually keep doing it. Dude, that's awesome. I have like a personal anecdote story. So I was at a startup one time and I was leaving the startup. I'd worked there for a long time. And, um, and you know, when I left, I, you know, said bye to people and we're slacking, you know, see you later. Like, it's just the last time, my last day, whatever. But uh, one of the guys who was uh, an executive, he was like, um, I slacked him and he didn't reply. And then he's like, I'm going to call you in 10 minutes. Don't answer. I was like, okay, because he wanted to leave me a voicemail telling me how much he appreciated me over the course of how long we worked together, whatever. And it wasn't a video, but it was a voicemail. And he was very specific about that. And honestly, that meant a lot to me, like way more than just a Slack message, right? So um, that's cool. I love that about the video message. That's a great idea. Let, let me throw a follow-up on that. When, wh how long was that ago, Ace? Oh, about a year, year and a half ago, something like that. Right. And, and this is the point I want to emphasize for the audience, people who are kind of invisible right now around us, is notice how even after 18 months, if his boss gave him a bottle of wine, if his boss gave him a pat on the back, if his boss, let's say his executive, not necessarily boss, but gave him a small gift, he probably would have forgot about it. But the voice message, he's not going to forget for the rest of his life. And I would argue that that impact is even times 10 with, with video messages because nobody ever receives them, especially in the tech industry. Yeah. I love that. The whole in-person aspect of anything, like using, using software to deliver those types of things is so underutilized i think like there's a lot of platforms out there that they're trying to like you know get people to start using them like using video content for different you know facets of of business but i feel like it's still such a such an emerging market just because people probably are too afraid to use those types of tools absolutely um so i i know that you work with a lot of ceos and executives and founders um can you maybe walk us through or give us an example of how you would typically 
engage with a client. It could be a brand new client, an existing client. Yeah, yeah for sure. It is. You know, the approach I always take when I coach people is one vertical at a time. One vertical at a time. It's kind of like coding, where if you try and learn all all of the languages, Java, C++, Python, all at the same time, you're, you're going to get mixed up. You're going to be like, geez, like, you master nothing. So same thing with, with communication, one vertical at a time. So the, the key for us is get presentation skills perfect. Okay, do the random word exercise 100 times. Get it all done, right? And have the accountability systems in place to get that done. And then after that, we move on to the next vertical, which for us is executive mastery. So think of... You know, you get asked questions on a podcast. When you get asked questions in a boardroom, people asking you, hey, what about this? What about that? And you're like, oh, I don't really think about that. How do you overcome that? And also, how do you give feedback to other people in a way that they don't just leave informed, like a lot of engineers give, oh, you did this, 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 very engineering mindset to it versus, hey, like really appreciate the work that you're doing. Let's leave them a little bit more inspired, right? So we go from one pillar Get the presentation skills done, right? Do the random word exercise. Do all these little tricks. Go to the next pillar and then keep going one pillar at a time. So that's the approach that we always take. I like that that you kind of start really easy into it. Obviously, that's a good way to start anything, right? It's just little, like we said earlier, baby steps. Um, how and, and this is probably different for most people, but uh, for everyone actually, but how long does each vertical kind of take to master? Like what's the... What's the time investment that you would typically see from someone in that? Yeah, I would say it varies based on the person's commitment, Aaron. So the shortest I've seen is like two days, two, three days. The longest I've seen is five weeks, generally. And the reason it's super quick, whether it's best case or worst case scenario, is because we're not focusing on 10 verticals at the same time. It's really just this presentation. They'll literally just do one presentation, but it has to be the best presentation of their life. That's the difference. Because in corporate, right, mm. is the, corporate's the worst place to practice everyone. I'll explain why. Three reasons. One, every presentation is stressful. Every presentation is different. Every presentation is tied to a punishment. Not super fun, right? If you don't, if you don't do well in your presentation, <laughs> you don't get a pat on the back. It's like that promotion you wanted, you don't get it, right? So it's stressful. So instead what you want to do is you pick one presentation. Let's say I was coaching you two. I would say super easy, you two. Make one presentation on explaining your podcast, navigating tech life in five minutes to get people excited about your show. And that's something that both of you are excited about. You're like, yeah, I, w- I, roll- I want to grow the show. I want to use this as a vehicle. So you're going to work on it together. You're going to be like, oh, this needs to be perfect. But you're not switching podcasts every two weeks. It's the same podcast over and over and over again, just different guests. And then what the key is, is as you work on that presentation, it gets better over time. The delivery increases. And then when that delivery increases, you get that confidence. Like, man, this presentation sounds amazing. But once you hear yourself deliver one presentation in an amazing way, you'll immediately start to believe that you can present anything in an amazing way. I love that. And uh, honestly, five we- even if it's five weeks or even if it's eight weeks, to be better than 100% of people you know, that, you're, that are in your industry, that's that's not a lot of that's not a huge time investment if you think about it. Um, so that's really cool. Appreciate it. I actually, you know, I have a sort of a random question. Um, and I know that you work with a lot of like high high level folks in the tech industry, teaching them. Um, do you also work with like 
entry level people or people that are right out of college. Cause I remember one time, this was probably seven or eight years ago. Um, when I was very, I was just starting my career, um, in customer success. And when I was interviewing for a job, part of the interview process was to give a presentation just in order to get a job. And so I'm just putting myself in like the position of, a, you know, I'm just somebody who's just out of college and they're trying to get their first job. And obviously they don't have these presentation skills yet. Right. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of wondering if you work with those folks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, our perspective is always we're not like I would say most of our clients are probably manager and above. Right. With probably 20 percent of them being at the C-suite. But what I would say is like everyone's welcome to our free trainings, you know, whether you're C-suite or you're just getting started, even if you're a university student. Right. Come to one of our free trainings, rockstarcommunicator.com. You can just register for that and just come in and enjoy what we have. It's free coaching. I just coach people on the call. And then for those who can afford coaching, definitely. Absolutely. So one thing I noticed right off the bat when we started this episode with you, um, I noticed almost immediately in your first answer how articulate you are. Um, do you think that that is something that can be taught? Like, do you think that? Yeah, hundred percent. There's actually a trick to this, but I I don't think most engineers will implement it. Caveats is more of a fun thing for you, so I'll say it. But I don't think most people implement. Just do the random word exercise, everyone else. So the strategy is, and this is a fun fact about me, is, is I can speak three languages, but I can karaoke in eight. So the strategy is literally speaking languages you don't understand, and it really improves your pronunciation. I'll give you a quick example. So let's say I did Korean really quickly, Naseo, which is high in Korean. Uh, let's say we did Japanese, Ohayo gozaimasu, genki desu ka, which is, hi, good morning, how are you? What if I did Italian? It would sound something like, buongiorno, come stai, molto bene, Eli. Right? So notice I'm switching languages really quick. I don't know how to speak any of these languages. But basically, because I'm, I practice my pronunciation in super foreign languages, when I go back to English, which is my first language, it's very easy for me to pronounce words. And that's the strategy, is pronounce the harder word so that the, the, I mean, when you go back to English, it becomes a joke. Wow. That's Interesting. really impressive. <laughs> it's trained. It's trained. That's the point that I want yeah. to drive. It's not like Brendan. Obviously, I'm not going to deny it. I'm sure I have some natural talent or else I would just be lying. But definitely most of it is, you know, I, I practice a lot and I do some rapping too for fun. Really helps my pacing. Nice. Well, we won't ask you to freestyle on that. <laughs> Don't hurt. <laughs> Actually, uh, that bring, anyway. brings up an interesting thing, though. So for, for like, I, I think I see the value in trying out different types of things like you just mentioned rapping like what are some of the other things that people can try out apart from just like business focused things like maybe more fun things yeah i would say you know since we're talking about say the tech industry i would say honestly if for everyone if you just do the random word exercise i can't even get my guys and gals to, to do the random word exercise more than three or five times a day i have to really push up just to do, they don't even have to do it well, by the way. Mm. They just need to do it and I'd be happy. That's literally the focus. So if you can just do the random word exercise with your kids, if you have any kids, for those of you listening, nephews, nieces, family members, five minutes a day, I, I can walk away from this podcast knowing that I got my job done. But but to answer the question, I just want to set that pre-frame. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun things you could do. I think rapping is a fun one. A karaoke in languages you understand and more importantly, languages you do not. That one's really a fun. I like that. 
Uh, another one is not super fun, but it could be if you see it in that way, which is uh, how to present in a second language. For a lot of people, English is their second language. And the trick is to actually write your speech in your first language, whether that first language is Mandarin, Cantonese, Hindi, any, any language, French. And then what you do is you translate that language into the one you want to speak it in, so English. And then you do what's called a vocabulary test. So you present that presentation to English native speakers. So the person whose native language is the one you need to speak it in. So let's say you two, I'm assuming your first language is English, just based on your pronunciation. So I would come to you, let's say, and say, hey, guys, can you look at my presentation? And then you can fix my vocabulary. So that's a, it's not necessarily fun, but it's, uh, it's fun to write it into the language you understand first, for sure. I was just going to say that uh, I, I might start trying to practice presentations in Bulgarian then. There you go. That's what I was going to say, too. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see how that would be actually like a really good exercise for, let's say, you're like a high level sales exec and you have to give a presentation um, to a potential customer who's in, you know, a different country. And so uh, I could totally see see that being like a good use case for it. Absolutely. So. And, and the reason why I preach this, by the way, is because I lived it. Like, you know, my whole life I presented a language I didn't even understand. Because for those who don't know, in Montreal, uh, you need to know how to speak French. I didn't know the language. So my parents put me in a French school so I could learn it, which, of course, I'm super grateful for today since I'm trilingual. But the process wasn't so fun, guys, because not only was I scared of presentations growing up as a kid, I was presenting in a language I didn't even know. So there, there was definitely the added challenge. Great. Yeah, the reason I'm able to to teach that now, that's a framework I came up with, was because that's what I did when I was a kid to to kind of escape those French presentations unscathed. But there was a couple of wounds, not going to lie. So, Brendan, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, absolutely, you too. What a wonderful conversation. Thanks for having me on. So, so two easy ways. Number one is, you know, the YouTube channel. Just type Master Talk in one word. You'll find, you know, hundreds of free videos to master communication skills. And then for those of you who are interested in taking your game to the next level, come join one of our free trainings over Zoom. That's rockstarcommunicator.com. And that's open to everyone. You don't have to be an executive. You could be someone starting out too. Thanks so much for being on with us today, Brendan. To our listeners, we'd love to know if you have any follow-up questions for Brendan. Please submit your questions on our website contact form by going to ntlcast.com. We'll collect those questions from you and we'll post a video on LinkedIn with his answers. Thanks for tuning into the show. Did you know that you could support navigating tech life in a number of different ways? You can subscribe to the show in your listening app of choice. And if you're feeling extra motivated, leave a rating and a review. You can also share this episode or any of your favorite episodes with someone you think that might enjoy our content. We'd also love to engage with you. Drop us a follow on LinkedIn by searching Navigating Tech Life and visit our website at ntlcast.com.